Father, this morning, we want to pause and just say thank you. Sometimes it's not easy to say that, Lord. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's heavy. And Father, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your kindness, your love, your protection over us. Father, we can, by the blood of Jesus, stand in unity, stand forgiven, stand redeemed as a new creation in this new humanity that was made possible for us by the work and the person of Christ. And so, Lord, as we consider your word this morning, as we um, seek to understand what it is you desire to speak to us as a local church, may we be built encouraged and strengthened in your beautiful and glorious and awesome Son, Jesus Christ. To your praise, Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Please be, please take a seat. Ah, uh, praise God. Well, already, um, the worship team uh, 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 kind of branded me as Barista Pablo. <laughs> and you'll find out why. Um, but here I am, and I have to tell you, this has been a wonderful week. I, uh, Carl and I had the opportunity to drive down to San Diego and, and just listen. And I felt like uh, both of us felt like we were drinking from a fire hydrant and really just take in um, what other churches are doing and really saying, okay, Lord, how does this impact or what, 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 what best practices can we find for our local context? And so um, this morning, as we dive in, into the Word, so we, we just wrapped up Colossians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Now we're going to make this transition again how many weeks, Pastor Pablo, are you going to drive us into the theme of prayer? Well, it's not me. You could blame the Apostle Paul and, and the Holy Spirit for that because this is what the Scripture is all about. We're talking about this prayer, but not just prayer, but this prayer of thanksgiving. And so we, 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 we saw why Paul was praying this way in verses 3 through 8. But now in verse 9, he's going to tell us what it is about that prayer of thanksgiving that he's been praying about. And so let's, 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 we're gonna, we're just gonna dive into one verse today and then just let that sink in, let that um, um, set in our hearts, and let us learn what it has to say. So Colossians 1, verse 9. And so it says, it reads this way. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay? Let those words sink into your mind for a minute here. Um, I, here's where my illustration comes in. So I brought two pictures 
one with water and one that's empty. And I thought about this concept all, you know, just been processing this in my own life. Because it's easy to read scripture and then it's like, okay, dude, that was written, written over 2,000 years ago. How does that relate to my life now in the 21st century? And I think this has an application for all of us, as you will see this morning. Because when I think about the words of this very text, I thought about my own childhood. See, I grew up in the ghetto, uh, some people call me a ghetto kid. In mid-city Los Angeles. And in mid-city Los Angeles, I was supposed to be uh, set up to fail. In fact, I, I would suggest that I, sh- I should have been in prison. I should have been strung out on drugs. I should have been full of tattoos, living the thug life, as we call it in the ghetto. And I found myself wanting to fill my life with so many things. I wanted a name. And an interesting thing, we all these kids grew up in the ghetto, and we played baseball, we played kickball, we rode bikes together. Yeah, we had, you know, little wars and rumbles, and yeah, the kid stuff. But I always had a need of something more. And yeah, I would go to church, yeah, I, I, I knew when I was nine years old that, that, that I, would, I, would, I would become a builder of homes and I would also become a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But yet, there's something in life, in human existence that draws and desires to be. In fact, my friends would always say, because I never got jumped into a gang. I was guilty by association. All of these were my friends, and, and, and they all became gang members of different uh, cliques and whatnot, and I guess I always wanted to be, so I was called a wannabe. I wanted to be, wanted to be, I want to be, and yeah, I would dress up like them, and, 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 and I would create, that's where I learned how to iron. <laughs> the truth be told, I knew how to make these nice mean creases on my pants. You don't, you don't believe me. Ask my wife. I mean, like, to this day, I love ironing. <laughs> I think she's going through a revival of sorts here. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's just, just that whole thing, right? And this is how I found my life. And, and my whole, you know, struggle when I was a kid. And man, I had my foot in church and my foot outside of church. And I was wrestling, seeking to be filled with something so substantive in my life. And when you read this scripture, a few, a few things there, right? Because he goes on. Here's, here's for you grammar junkies. <laughs> for you grammar junkies. Look how it starts. And so... This in English, you could read this as also. So he gave you these, these in, in, the, in the previous verses, he's telling you, yeah, I thank God for you, for when I heard of your faith, for your love and the power of the gospel in your life, that's not having only an impact in your life, but throughout the world. And it's producing fruit and it's increasing. That's the why of his prayer. But now let's dive into the what 
of that prayer. The, the meat and potatoes here. Or in Spanish, la carne. The, the, the meat on the bones here. The meat on the bones. And he goes, and so, from the day we heard. What did they hear? Man, and these people, remind you, these people did not have Facebook. These people did not have Instagram or, 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 or uh, Twitter. These people didn't have social media. And so the day we heard, that's what he's saying, we have not ceased to pray for you. What did they hear? What was the gossip of the day? What was spreading out? Their faith. It's a phenomenal thing when we hear about the faith of somebody being healed, being restored, being renewed. Somebody who was dead, right? We, we, you know, my sons always grew up walking, watching The Walking Dead. And, and, and somebody goes from death to life. That is the reason to celebrate. That is the reason to rejoice. That is the reason to get all pumped up and get all excited. Yeah, we think we only get excited when they're playing football. Or we're watching a sports game. But we should be excited, if not more, when somebody comes to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so, this is what Paul is praying. Remember, friends, this is not prescriptive. He's not commanding us to do things here. He's not telling us you need to do this. This is descriptive. Why is this description of this prayer so important in the book of Colossians? Ask yourself that question. Why is it important for prayer to be very much highlighted in this text of the Bible? Before we get into all the theories of, of heresies and all this thing that was attacking the church, he slowed down the film for us to consider the word prayer. Uh, here's my, my, my personal take on all of this. I think the, the, the primitive church was a praying church. I've said this before. I know of a friend who launched a church. You know what his strategy was for church planting? Prayer. And he started walking around the block. And before anyone ever, you know, started gathering as a congregation, he started walking around and started saying, Lord, how do you want me to start this church? How do you want me to launch? How do you, what do you want me to do? And then all of a sudden, God began to fill his church with a bunch of homelessness. It reminded me of 2008 when I planted my second church. I had this vision of a church, right? And then God brings all these floodgates of homeless people to the church. It's not what you envision. It's what God envisions for the local church. And this is the importance of this. So, when I thought about the word, the verb. Now, now this is where I'm building this whole sermon from. When he says, look, he says, and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Now, notice this. Asking. Asking. That's supplication. He's asking. That's intercession. He, he's, he's, he's going before the Lord asking that you may be filled that's the verb. In fact, some would suggest that's the principal verb of this text, that you may be filled. Now, when you think about filled, right, some people fill themselves with 
money. Some people filled themselves with fame. Others filled themselves with work. Others filled themselves with busyness. Others filled themselves with relationships, trying to find their identity and their purpose in people. Here, notice how Paul is praying in this description that we're given here in Colossians. He says, that you may be filled. Okay, so when I think about being filled, I think about a, 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 something that's full that's going to pour into this, right? If we can use that imagery. This is your life. This is your life. And this is what he's saying, that you may be filled. Now, let me ask you a question. When you're seeing this picture getting filled, right? Um, tell me, when is it filled? Is it filled? Let's see. Is that full? Pretty much, some would say. That primary verb in the Greek, it's saying you need to be, you need to be filled. That is filled. That is filled right there. Filled to the brim with rim. That was a coffee ad <laughs> many, many years ago. But this is what he's saying. We need to be filled. Question, what fills your life today? Is it old dreams? Is it old aspirations? Is it something in the past? Because this, this verb is a principal verb, but it's also an active verb. So it's saying, be filled. Be filled. So that has a continuation to it. This morning in the discipleship class, the discipleship is a lifelong process. This too is a lifelong process. Now, now listen, let's, let's take some time here to, to, to consider what it is that the apostle is really helping us try to gather here when we think of this word, be filled. Now, sorry, friends, that I'm making a mess, but that's just the way it is here for my illustration. Thank you. And so, um, so let, let's consider this for a minute here, and, and let's, let's unpack some of the scripture that, that's surrounding this text, because this is rich. This is rich for us. This is the key to understanding what Paul is praying about here in this part of the, of the, of the, of the verses. Now, I, again, I have no problem understanding and seeing clearly from the scriptures how this connects. For example, verse 6, jump back a few verses. Which has come to you? What has come to them? The gospel, as indeed in the whole world, bearing fruit and increasing. Two things happening here. When the gospel arrives in our lives, it bears fruit. We talked about this last week. It is an internal fruit. There's something that has to happen from the inside out. Something is growing within me that, 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 that the Spirit of God is, is, is stirring, it's cultivating, it's nurturing, it's fostering in my life. And it comes out from the, the inmost of me and it goes outward. And we said that was the fruit of the Spirit. But then that word increase is an external focus. That means, as we were studying this morning, uh, and sorry, David, no, 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 no pun intended, but discipleship is not linear, it's circular. Okay, 
Run with me here. Discipleship is circular. Why? Because I received the gospel. I shared the gospel with someone, and that somebody shares the gospel with another. And it goes like this. And it's circular in movement. It's never stale or stagnant. It's not a thing that you do. It's a lifestyle you live. So, it's very similar to our children. Like when, when I think about my sons and discipleship, I think about how I taught them how to mow the lawn. I just said, hey, come watch me do this. And they would go watch. And then when they would watch, I would treat them to a hamburger. <laughs> and then they wanted to watch the next time, so I would treat them again to another hamburger. Then all of a sudden, hey, Dad, can I help you? Sure. You know, I can't let the machine go, but now he's not only watching, but he's also putting his little hands there on the, on the mower, and then we're pushing it together. And I'm showing him how the speeds work and how to turn it on and, and how to check for the oil and check the gasoline. Then all of a sudden, the son says, hey, Dad, let me try this now. And now he takes the lawnmower and he checks the oil and checks the fuel and he cranks it and he starts mowing the lawn. But you're watching him. And a lot of sudden, I don't need you around here, Dad. I'll take over. That's discipleship. That's as easy as it comes. And this is what he's, he's telling us. So not only, not only is it bearing fruit and increasing, notice the text again. Notice the triad here that Paul is describing in this one verse. What is the triad? Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. It's right there in the Bible. Circle those words in, in the Bible. Notice the triad. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Okay, so, so when you read Colossians, for example, Colossians 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 2, through five. I'm not going to read all of it, but look what verse two says. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance. Complete. Complete. We, we don't, we don't, we don't, we're not in Christ at 99.95% filled. We are 100% filled in Christ. We might feel like we're only 60% there. We might feel like we're only 70% there. But it seems to me that Paul is, 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 is suggesting that in Christ, as you will read in the Christological hymn of this prayer, he is permanent above all things in verse 15 and on. He is permanent and he fills all in all. But then it also says something. In him, the fullness of the deity dwelled. So not only do you get Christ, you get the triune God dwelling in you. God the Father, God the Son, and we're Trinitarians, my friend. God the Holy Spirit. This is phenomenal stuff for us. Because it has a lot of things. So, so again, Colossians 2, 2, you know, this full assurance that he's telling of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Notice this. Paul calls Jesus to, it says that in God there's a mystery there. But, but notice, notice how verse 2 ends of chapter 2, which is Christ's. 
which is Christ. So he's suggesting don't just be filled with all of this because remember, as you're studying the book of Colossians, who were the Gnostics? The Gnostics also spoke this same similar language. They were all about wisdom and philosophy and the love of knowledge. And and the Gnostics believed that if you acquired this knowledge, this knowledge would ultimately set you free. That was the the true aim of, of humanity, that it would gain knowledge. And Paul doesn't say, hey, God hates philosophy or he hates knowledge or he hates wisdom. He's saying all of that is summed up in one person. That is Christ. Wow. So, if that's the case, if that's the case, then this has something more than just, hey, I'm this Bible stud and I'm this Bible uh, 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 nerd. I know all this scripture. It has more to do than that. I think it has something to do with being fully equipped for something. I think, this, I think he's suggesting that, that this isn't just this um, uh, cognitive exercise that one does. I think it has something with a huge pragmatic dimension and implication to it. And I think the word, the key word there is the word spiritual. It's not just any kind of wisdom. It's not just any kind of knowledge. It's not just any kind of understanding. Contrast to that of the world, Paul is suggesting, he is praying that we would be filled with spiritual. Now, here's a debate, because if you look at it in your English Bible, the word spiritual is lowercase. The only reference that you will read in the book of Colossians that references the Holy Spirit is found in verse 8. And that's when Epaphras brought to Paul and told him, hey, look what's happening in Colossae. And and look at these. Let me tell you about their love in the Spirit, capital S, in reference to the Holy Spirit. That's the only time he references the Holy Spirit in all of the book, in verse 8. Now, he alludes to the Holy Spirit, as we read here, because here he's alluding to spiritual knowledge, Where does all of that come? Where does all the spiritual knowledge uh, 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 come from when we when we when we when we refer to obviously it's not coming to the to the from from the flesh. It's not coming from the world. It's not coming from man. It derives from God Himself. And so here's the first thing I I want you to think about this this text that we just read. Knowledge of God's will is quintessential in life of the believer of Jesus. This is it. We are not only called to grow, we are, we, are, we are called to grow in the Word. So yes, Scripture's important. We need to recite. We need to learn. We need, I love the navigators. Have you ever, if you're familiarized with the navigators, they, they use this illustration of the hand, right? You draw a hand, you grab it, you know, remember kindergarten? You grab a hand, put it on a piece of paper, and then, and then draw, outline your hand. First finger, you need to hear the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God. You need to study the Word of God. You need to memorize the Word of God. You need to recite the Word of God. That's the hand, but it's not complete yet. In, in, in Latin America, we say you need, you need la, la aplicación. 
Uh, 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 some parents would know this well, you know, Latinos, because they say, you need the bowie, bowie. In English, we call that the application. You need to apply the word of God in your life. Because information without transformation is theory. And this is, this is how Paul begins to unpack this in the last. So notice again the verse. Asking that you may be filled, that you may be complete, that you would be certain, that you would be filled, that you would, be con- that you would not lack anything. Man, this isn't new, friends. This was from Old Testament theology. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not. And so, you said, you know, that he's asking. This is his petition. This is his supplication. This is my prayer for you. This is the prayer from the elders, the leadership of this church, for your lives, that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. I think he's describing this process. I, I, I think when, 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 when he talks about this fullness, look at verse 19 of chapter 1. For in him, referring to Jesus Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. How about chapter 2, verse 9? For in him, the fullness of the deity dwells bodily. I think that's what he's alluding to here, to this fullness. Um, How about again, uh, um, uh, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. I already read uh, chapter 2. We saw the fullness of assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. But look what verse 3 says. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to be wise? You want to be understanding? Build your faith on Jesus Christ. He's the rock of our salvation. Um, Again, Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. How do we renew our mind? Remember, sometimes we get so stuck on the on the text itself, but we forget that in Christ, he's the living word of God. Who? John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the living word of God. That's why Paul could say in him all wisdom and knowledge is acquired and the mysteries of God are understood in Christ. There we go again. I'm going to start repeating myself all over again. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. It has to be redundant. We need redundancy. This is very important for our lives. So Romans chapter 10 verse 4 would say, For Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Wow. You mean, Pastor, it was in class 101, 201, 301? 
I need to become a member, da da da, all these things. It's Christ. Again, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so we keep on um, uh, unpacking this, right? And, and, and look at this. Here's a warning. Here's a warning. Uh, Colossians 2.8. This is why Paul would tell them. So see to it, Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For the Christian believer, for those, for the redeemed community, Christ is the standard by which we live. Christ is the law of God. This is a powerful thing for us, friends. This isn't like, oh, wow, I, you know what? This seems kind of strange because, you know, I've been in this church 20, 30, 40 years now. Well, not 40, well, somewhere around there. Close enough. Sorry, I, I, I practice a little bit of hyperbole here. But I've been walking with the Lord for many years. You hear these preachings and they say, you got to do this, this, this. Remember, friends, we are not moralist. We are not moralist. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that begins to transform and fills us with the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding of God. But that is in Christ Jesus. And so, you, 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 you unpack this, right? This knowledge of his will, the knowledge of what God has done um, through Jesus Christ. There, there's a big debate here. Does this mean God's sovereign will, his decree, the will that God says, hey, this is going to happen and this is it, that's it. Or is this God's will, his plan, his salvific will occurring in the context of this text to the believers? I believe it's both. There's an there's a element there where, where, where Paul would later say that his desire is that the gospel will save all people. That's not universalism. That means that the gospel is for all people, all tribes, all language, for everyone who believes. And I think that believes is those who respond to the call of God upon their life. And that's what he's getting at to here. And so when you read, for example, again, um, uh, Colossians 1, 9, and 10, I think help you understand and put your, your, your arms and your hands around this whole concept of the knowledge of God's will. Notice what Paul says in, in, in Colossians 1, 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. But look how he refers to this in verse 10. So, as to walk in a manner of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and notice this, increasing in the knowledge of God. Look how he refers to this again in Colossians 2.2. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Did you notice how he refers to the knowledge of God's will? The knowledge of God and the knowledge of God's mystery. I'll give you a million dollars if you can unpack that for me. 
It's both and. This is God's redemptive plan occurring throughout the history of humankind. And so we see this, right? We see how this unpacks. Secondly, this spiritual wisdom and understanding must guide our worldview. This is very important, friends, because some in Christianity tend to be cavalier. Say, let's go out. Let's go and and, and change the world. We we need to, this is a very sobering thing for us. This is hard for us to, to really grapple with. And I'm not a fatalist, so please don't misunderstand that. Oh, Pastor Pablo, he's a fatalist. He is going down this dark path. No. The world is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Let that sink in for a little bit. The world is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. How do I know that? What Jesus says. The end times will be like the days of... What were the days of Noah like? They weren't bright and shiny. Well, depends on what side of the, 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 the view you take, right? If you're drinking, partying, and, and, and having a good time, you might say that's good. But in reality, that's death. It's leading you down this path of poison and death and condemnation. So, Jesus says... Even in the last days, some of the elect will abandon their love for me. This is hard. This puts us in a very, a very interesting tension here as we're reading what was occurring in Colossae that Paul would, would pray this this way and, and would ask and would plead and with supplication would say, well, get a load of this. Because this is how it should inform. And again, this isn't new. This is from the Old Testament. Exodus 31, 3. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. This is Old Testament. This is Jewish tradition. This is ancient writings. And again, he is identifying how um, Oliahab and and Bezalel uh, were filled with the Spirit of God, with ability and, and intelligence, with knowledge of and all craftsmanship. Man, what a powerful thing that we would be endowed by our God. The creativity, the innovation, the, 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 the power of productivity by the Spirit of God. Whoo, that's a powerful thing. Uh, how about the construction of the temple? Again, Exodus 31.3. He says, he says, oh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, 31, 31. Uh, and he was filled with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. But then how about this? This messianic uh, uh, tone in, uh, in Isaiah's writing, in Isaiah 11:2, 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Speaking about this Messiah, this, um, this messianic prophet, the prophecy that was be fulfilled almost 700 years before it actually happened. Isaiah 11, 9. Here's how the fullness is described in, in Isaiah's writing. For the earth shall be filled of the knowledge of the Lord and the waters shall cover the sea. Wow. Fullness. Better question. Is your life half full 
Are you three quarters? Or are you overflowing to the rim? Like brim. <laughs> right? And so this, 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 this eschatological is found in Christ. Again, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 13. Can't read all of it. But look what verse 2 says. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, uh, verse 4. But in demonstration, uh, talking about his, the power of the gospel, the message, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. Verse 5, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Friends, I've said this before, and I know it sounds hard, and it makes one sound like super spiritual, and oh man, there goes Pastor Pablo, he's a charismatic Pentecostal, da, 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 whatever you want to call it. But this is no substitution for the power of God in our lives. Sometimes I believe we fill our lives up with the knowledge but haven't experienced the power of God in a very tangible and real way. This is about more than just, I know all the Bible school and the Sunday school answers. This is about the power of God that lives within us that when we go out into the world, when we're asked to serve, when we're asked to engage, we don't do it in our own strength. I know, my friends, I'm not, if you ask me, how, Pastor Pablo, how do you know you're the right guy, the right guy for the job here in Clovis, California? I would tell you I'm not. No, you didn't make a mistake. <laughs> and I didn't make a mistake. I'm not the right guy. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. My power rests in the power of God. And he who God calls, he qualifies. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions. But I have one thing I know. I know I have his word. And I do know I have the power of God who lives in me. So, this is what I believe Paul was, was really, you know, unpacking for, his, for, for these friends in, in Colossae. The, the final thing I have to say, I promise we're going to land the plane right now. It's found in this, in this first part of the text. The process by which we yield our lives to God is by prayer and supplication. You ever notice you're all stressed and you're all panicked and you're all just like, oh man, you're like a chicken without a head. Life is just trying to move you from here to there and you're everywhere. You're like, dude, take a chill pill. Like really, or, or as my father and my father-in-law used to say, take it easy, my friend. Take it easy. Take it easy. Look, look, look how Paul started his prayer. And, and he says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Not, not, not you, an individual. You, the collection of believers. Asking that you may be filled. And, and notice this. Two things, right? This is un, 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 uh, uninterrupted prayer. That's what this is. This isn't like we do it in the 21st century. Ah, uh, Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Bless this meal. Amen. Or that, that prayer that I pray, you know. Uh, 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 now I lay my soul to sleep, you know. Uh, and, and it's beyond that. Those are good prayers. 
But this is beyond that. This is a constancy, an urgency, a consistency, and a frequency of prayer, prayer, prayer that was uninterrupted. Kind of like Daniel. Pray three times a day. Now, I'm not Daniel, nor do I pretend to have that form of discipline. I'll be biking, and I'll be praying for you. I'll be cutting a tree or cleaning my yard, and I'll say, Lord, would you bless your people? Sometimes I wake up in the morning. Uh, so it could be at all kinds. Like, Lord, it's 2 a.m. What do you want? <laughs> and then you come to my mind, and I say, Lord, would you bless your people today? Would you protect them? Would you heal their sicknesses? Would you, would you provide for them? Would you guide them? Would you put a hedge of shield around them? You got to know, even when I was in San Diego this past week, I thought of you. I thought of you. And I asked God to bless your lives. And so, may I leave you with these last two practical things that you could take with you today as you walk out this door. And Caesar, you could come up to the piano. Let me leave you with these, these two, two beautiful things that are, are being identified for us in this prayer. First, first, two practical things that, that are identified here. Thanksgiving. You know, it's not always be easy to be thankful. Sometimes it's hard. Especially when the world runs you over. It's hard. When you've been hurt, it's hard to be thankful. When you got the short end of the stick. But, but this teaches us something about being thankful. Your circumstances should not dictate your thankfulness. Christ us. And the reason we can be thankful, huh, let me tell you, there's no better feeling no better knowledge and understanding to have than your sins being forgiven. That you can walk to the very throne of God as the writer of the book of Hebrews says. You can walk and enter into the holiest throne of God with full confidence. <laughs> you know what that means? It's not like you walk in, oh Lord, you are no, this is how you walk into the throne of God. Jesus, I'm here. I'm here, Lord. What are you going to do today? Who do you want to speak to today? What do you want me to... All presence and accounted for, sir. You and I have the... Why? Because of Jesus Christ. And secondly... Would you intercede for somebody? Because here the prayer is thanksgiving and intercession. I told you last week, one thing I learned from my mama wasn't the theology. One thing I learned from my mama was neology. And sometimes prayer is all we have. We don't have the solution for addiction and, 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 and all kinds of dirty sins and perversity out there. But here's one thing you and I do have. We have a couple of knees and we can, we can pray to the Lord and intercede. Father, we don't believe you're done with Clovis EV Free. We believe you're just about to start. Father, this isn't the end. 
This is the beginning of a new chapter. Father, where are all the people going to come? Let me tell you, friends, God is using social media. Whether you like it or not, God has used social media with over 12,000 people who have run through your ad. Over, over 80 people have shared your event. Well, I should say our event. I'm trying to make a point here. Hope you understand that. Brianna sent a message. A Muslim family has been invited. Are you ready for that? Will you love them? Will you greet them? Will you welcome them with love? If you're not signed up yet, sign up. Because something is happening. And the gospel is going to be proclaimed. And God is going to call people unto himself. And you and I, are we committed to love them? I certainly hope so. Because we've been praying for them. We've been praying. Let's pray. Father, perhaps somebody is watching online. Perhaps somebody is here today and, and wondering, okay, what does all this mean to me? Well, it means several things. But principally, it means that Jesus Christ is supreme and we preach him, his lordship, and his reign in this place. Now, we are not perfect, but you are. We don't have it all together, but you do. And perhaps the greatest thing that we have as people of God is love for one another. And by our love for one another, Father, we want to show the world that we are true followers of you. And so, Lord, if somebody's listening and they're in the fringes of, hey, I'm like my foot in and my foot out, would that person take the next foot and step in to Christ? In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. We pray that they would experience the fullness of your grace, the fullness of your forgiveness, the fullness of restoration, and that fullness of new life that only you can give. Perhaps that person's here today or online. And if you would just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus on the third day from the dead, the scriptures declare, you shall be saved. Would you let us know of your decision? We want to resource you and pray with you and love you well. This we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.